Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. I love coming to Baton Rouge. I was born and raised in Louisiana in the north part. Uh, my, uh, yesterday, uh, my daughter Callie and I set out in very cold weather by your standards, and watched LSU baseball yesterday. It was a lot of fun, watched them win yesterday. So my first time to be in Alex Box Stadium, so it was cold though. There's a difference between Colorado cold and Baton Rouge cold. Now, y'all, don't, y'all know that, right? When it's like 90% humidity and winds blowing, it's like, a, it's a little colder. When I left my house on Friday, it was 17 degrees and snowing, and so I thought I would come here and warm up. And so I just want you to know you've disappointed me. We're going to rebound, all right? <laughs> it's so good. I, want to, uh, I think my wife of 34 years is watching right now. Could you just get a little wave to Pam back in Colorado? I'd like to, I want her to know that I'm thinking about her. We got married when we were 12 years old. It was the scandal of the seventh grade, but we've made it. It is Louisiana, right? It's not uncommon. She's a Louisiana girl too. No, I'm joking. We've been married 34 years though, and... Both our kids now have graduated college and left the house. Come on. As, I just want to know, are there any other joyful empty nesters in the house today? Come on, raise. Yes. I love Callie. She travels with me all over the place. She only moved five minutes away, okay? But I did not cry when I became an empty nester. I, just, I am so happy, so joyful. All right, open up your Bible. We're gonna be in the book of Proverbs the entire morning, and, and this is a message. In fact, I'm, I'm, with all, all seriousness, I think it might be the most important thing we can talk about this morning, Jesus and friendship. I don't know if you realize since 2020, how many of you have lost close friends since 2020? Raise your hand if, if there were some, some things that lost. I mean, there was a point in 2020, I think I was down to my wife and two cats who liked me. And one of the cats was seriously in doubt. I didn't know if it was planning my murder or not, but it was, I couldn't even depend on one of the cats to like me. But it was, that, that stretch of time, I've heard this from friends and uh, people all over the, the world, that something shifted in the relational dynamics in our country in 2020. Where people that you thought were your friends, people that you thought you could count on, lost their minds maybe, something happened, and I lost, some close friends during the last four or five years. It's been a painful journey that I've walked through, but the Lord is beginning to restore that back to me now, and I'm beginning to see the goodness of the Lord. I'm beginning to see some new friendships, some old friendships rekindled, some new friendships appear. But I'm gonna ask a question today that I, I want you to consider, and, and I'm gonna try to help answer it. How do we be, how to be a friend is the title of the message, but I have two questions. And I want you to think about this before you answer the question. Number one, do, do you have good friends? I'm talking about people that 2 a.m. in the morning, I need someone to help me, I, I have to make a call right now. I'm talking about people that are there for you, will we'll go to bat for you. When they say they pray for you, they actually pray for you. Come on, right? Those are the two biggest lies told at church. I love you and I'll pray for you. I mean, I'm talking about when they say this to you, they do love you, and they do pray for you. Let me ask, so there's a second question. Number one, do you have good friends? And number two, are you a good friend? 
I mean, can people, when, they, when people talk about you, do they talk about you being a loyal, dependable person, a person of your word, a person of character? If you say it, you mean it. And if you mean it, you're going to do it. I'm talking about those, a rare human being that, that people want to be your friend. So I, the question, I, I was with a young man not long ago, and he's wrestling. He's, uh, he said, you know, why, why do we have 8 billion people on the planet and I'm alone? And I'm hearing this with a lot of 20 and 30-somethings, quite honestly. They're finding themselves friendless and alone, isolated, difficult to connect face-to-face, voice-to-voice with another human being. And so I said, I said to this young man, I said, well, tell me in your mind, what keeps us from having friends? And his four answers were genius. And I want you to write this down. What keeps us from having friends? And the four, this is the four things he told me. He said, well, number one, we don't wanna be hurt again. The pain of past friendships, we're reminded of how painful it was to have a close friend betray us I remember, he said, I remember giving my heart to a friendship only to discover they didn't have the same friendship in return. They didn't think of me the same way. He's not talking about being romantic. He was talking about just being friends, someone he could depend on, someone that was loyal back to him. And then he said something, he says, we're too busy. He said, there's just too many things going on. It takes time. It's an investment of time to be friends. Now, I was, I was speaking at this men's conference up in Milwaukee a couple of weeks ago, and there was 20,000 men there. And, they, and when I said this, I, I almost could hear the text because their wives were watching online, okay, to hold them accountable when they got home. <laughs> and when I said this out loud, a bunch of guys came forward to me and said, I started getting text messages as soon as you said that. So I'm going to ask the question in here, get a whole bunch of people in trouble, okay? But when was the last time you sat down with the person that you love, your husband, your wife, your spouse, and had an unhurried, lingering conversation with them with no agenda really, no timetable, you're not in a hurry. Come on, I see some elbows flying, I'm seeing it. Don't look at them, don't look at them. But when was the last time? Like, my, uh, you know, Pam and I have been married 34 years and we try to get into a habit of sitting and watching each other, looking at each other, unhurried, lingering conversations where you can talk. That takes what? What does that take? It takes time. And my, this young man I was talking to, he says, he goes, I don't, I don't have that kind of time. And he's, he, then he said a third thing. He says, we're not involved in anything. I had a, uh, this, guy, <laughs> this guy I was talking to, he goes, I'm an introvert. He goes, I sit at home on Friday nights and Saturday nights scrolling through Netflix, waiting for Prince Charming to show up or waiting for, wondering why I'm single. I said, you've got to get out. Your couch and Netflix is not going to attract your next spouse. You got to go. You got to be there. You got to be present. Come to church. Don't go to the bars, but come to church. But make yourself out there. Like introduce yourself. And then he says, and then I said to him, do something that's interesting. Read a book, go somewhere, travel somewhere, take some risk. But like we're, we're, we're in this generation right now where we don't take as many risks as we used to take with relationships. And we wonder why we're living on a planet with 8 billion people and we're alone. 
And then he said, he said, then the fourth thing he said to me, I thought was really amazing. He said, we don't want to be hurt again. We're too busy. We're not involved in anything. And he says, we don't know how. We just don't know how to do it. How do you introduce yourself? How do you have a conversation? How do I take it from a conversation to invite? I said, and so we talked about all these things and I, then I took him to the book of Proverbs and this is where I want us to spend about 15 minutes, okay, with me in the book of Proverbs today. And I gave him three things about friendship that I hope you catch today. And so the first thing I said to him, I said, listen, if you're going to be the type of young man that other people want to be friends with, here's the first thing, a good friend is discreet. A good friend knows how to hear something about you and to handle it properly. Listen to Proverbs. Proverbs, it says, chapter 11, it says, a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man can keep a secret. So let me give you a definition of gossip, okay? I, this is not on your notes, so you're gonna have to write this down. A gossip is telling the right thing to a wrong person or the wrong thing to anyone. Let me say it again, okay? A gossip is someone that tells the right thing, but to the wrong person. They can't help you. They're, you're just spreading bad, you're just spreading information. Or you tell the wrong thing to anyone. Listen, that's a gossip. And it says that's a good way to lose friends. So I had a guy tell me one time, he walked up to me, in fact, it was a couple weeks ago, and he goes, hey, Pastor Brady, you'll probably have this happen to you. He goes, Pastor Brady, I need to tell you a secret, but you gotta promise you can't tell anyone. I went, stop, just for a moment. Now, you need to get into this habit, okay? I went, stop, just for a moment. I can never, ever, ever promise secrecy. What I can promise is discretion. I said, so if you're about to confess to me that you've abused someone or killed someone or you know where Jimmy Hoffa is buried or I, I, don't, I don't know. I said, I can't help you. I said, I, but I, I can't keep that a secret. So before you tell me what you're about to tell me, I wanna be a good friend to you. I cannot promise secrecy, but I will promise discretion. A good friend knows how to cover weak spots. Listen to this, and I'm, I'm gonna give away my age a bit. I'm 57 years old. I know that's shocking to many of you. You had me pegged at around 48, I can tell. But I'm, oh, <laughs> you look 67. Well, I'm 57, all right? So I grew up in a really poor house. I didn't know I was poor until I went to college, but then I realized when I got to college I was poor. Now I'll tell you how poor I was, okay? I lived in North Louisiana, and we could not afford our own landline. How many of you in the room remember when you shared a line with your neighbor? Now all the under 30 crowd are looking at me with this weird look. Listen, we didn't even have caller ID until I was in my 20s. The most exciting thing that ever happened in my house was the phone ringing. Because you didn't know who was calling. I mean, it could be anybody. It could be the IRS, it could be your drunk uncle, or anybody in between, right? But we were so poor, that we shared a landline with our neighbors across the street, which happened to be my aunt and uncle. Now, here's how this worked, all right? This is really complicated. If it rang once, it was for my aunt and uncle. If the phone rang twice, bring, bring, it was our call. The problem is, both of us could pick up the line and listen to what the other person was talking about. 
It used to drive my mom nuts. I remember as a little kid, my mom goes, we cannot keep any secrets in this house. And so mom, aunt and uncle are listening to every phone call and you're listening to all their phone calls. I can hear it ringing once and mom going. <laughs> oh my gosh. Listen to Proverbs. He who covers over an offense <laughs> promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Listen, one of the reasons why people lose trust with other human beings is they tell you something that's vulnerable, that's painful, they're asking for help, and then they realize you cannot hold confidence. One of the, one of the marks of being a person of high character is the ability to have information and keep it discreet. When people, and listen, here's another rule. My mom told me this. When people are critical of others to you, they're most likely, you know what? They're most likely critical of you to other people. Do not trust people that share information with you. They're sharing things with you that you don't need to hear. I can promise you they're sharing your stuff with other people that don't need to hear. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, here's the second thing about a friend. A good friend sticks close. Proverbs 17 says a friend loves at all times, but a brother and a brother is born for adversity. Listen, I don't know if you have people like this in your life. It might be the most valuable thing that I own and have in my life. I have a couple of brothers like this. I have a couple of people in my life that if I called them right now and said, I'm in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, I'm in trouble, I need you to get here, they would go to whatever, they would, they would go to whatever measures they need to go to to come and help me. And I have two people like that in my life. I'm married to one of them and I have another person in my life just like that. And listen, not long ago, this person, and I'll tell you how it happened. Because I, I want you to be open today. Can I ask you a question? Will you be open today to the Lord bringing this kind of person into your life. 20 plus years ago, I was standing, it was 6 a.m. on a Thursday morning, I was leading a men's Bible study. And I was teaching something, it was terrible, it, was, it wasn't good. It was, it was 6 a.m., I had not had much coffee, and it, I, I was ready for it to be over, quite honestly, like, like some of you are thinking about this message right now. <laughs> and uh, it will end, listen. At the end of that small group, I said to the, I don't know, 15 or 20 guys, I said, you know what? I just lost my dad about six months ago. This was in uh, March of 2006. My dad had died in December of 2005. And I said to the guys, I said, hey, you know, some of you have lost your dad. Some of you, your dads are getting older. And if any of you ever want to just talk about that, I'm, I'd love to talk to you. I got some things I'd love to share. This guy made a beeline to me right after the small group. His name is Morgan. Morgan said, I, I just lost my dad too. He said, I, I, let's go have some coffee. I went and had coffee with him and for the last 24 years, whatever it is, what, 19 or 20, whatever, you did math. It's a, it's a long time, 20 years. He has been the closest friend outside of my spouse that I've ever had in my life. And it started in a men's small group because we both left open the possibility that we might need to talk about something with another person. This is how simple this is. But over the years, listen, the Lord wants to bring you into a place that you are able to have the kind of relationships that might very well save your life. 
And all of us need brothers, all of us. And let me tell you how you find these people. Difficult times reveal true friendships. Not long ago, Morgan went through a, a tough time of his own. And it was just a few months ago, I said to Pam, I said, Pam, I, I mean, I'm busy. It's November, it's December. It's a busy time for pastors. And I said to Pam, I said, Pam, I, I've, I've got to go look him in the face and check on him. Phone calls, or I'm not getting the information I need from phone calls. I, I can't, you know, FaceTiming and all that is good. I said, but I need to physically look at him and check on him. So I had some airline miles. I cleared my schedule. I flew down. I spent 48 hours with him. Why? Because he would do the same for me. This, this is the kinds, these are the kinds of relationships that Jesus wants for you, for us. These are the kinds of friendships that we're designed to have. Here's the third thing about friendships is a good friend knows how to confront. A good friend knows how to tell the truth. Proverbs 27 says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies their kisses. Listen, I, I believe that all of us in this room probably have four or five conversations that need to be had in the next two weeks. If you want to save relationships, if you want to save your friendships, let me tell you how you start the conversation. I do this about four or five times a week. And I go to them and I say, this is what you did. This is how it made me feel. Because I love you and I value our relationship, I want to have a conversation with you. So right away, what happens? I did, it's not, I'm not attacking. I'm not angry. I'm not defensive. It's because I want the friendship. It's because I value the relationship. This is what you did. This is how it made me feel, right or wrong. I, I may be wrong. I, I don't know why it made me feel that way, but I love you. I value the relationship. Can you and I have a conversation? Now, all the introverts in the room, I know you got a knot in your stomach right now, okay? But listen, I'm married. Everyone in my house is an introvert, my wife and both of my kids. There are times that I sit in my house and it is so quiet, I just yell, hey, is there anybody here? It scares all the introverts. All the cats run to the room, all three kids, everybody runs. So I understand the difficulty of bringing it up. But listen, the friendships that the Lord has brought into your life are worth the effort. And this is the path forward to saving some of those friendships. A good friend, listen, will always tell you what you need to hear, not always what you want to hear. Listen, a good pastor will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. A good friend will tell you what you need to hear, not always what you want to hear. And I believe in this room today, the Lord wants to bring some lonely people into families. I want to tell the story. I didn't tell this story in the first service, but I want to tell the story today. It happened last Sunday at my church. I was speaking, it wasn't this message, but it was something similar. And I said to my church, if some of you are in the room today and you need help, ask for help. If you're in, if you're in the room today and you need help, ask for help. I, I don't know if you've ever, there been, there's times when you just feel this unction, this conviction of the Holy Spirit that you need to say it again. So I did, I said, listen, I don't know if you caught that or not, but there's some people in the room, if you need help, you need to ask for help today. Now, why am I saying that? Because that's what friends do. That's what family does. That's why a church, that's why the church exists. 
So when people walk into this building, this is not just a giant room. It's a house, it's a building, it's a place of family, it's a place, a place of belonging, place matters. It's a place where you can find help. So I said it again, strongly, and I didn't know why I was saying it so strongly. So we got through, we prayed for people, people came down front, we prayed for them, service is over. And one of my associate pastors looks in the back of the room and sees a friend that he hasn't seen in a while, so he kind of runs up the, up, the, up the aisle to catch his friend before his friend walks out of the building. He goes, hey, hey, hey. And they say, I haven't seen you in a while. So they hugged and just gave each other a high five, checked on each other. While he's saying hello to this guy, his friend, he looks over to his right and there's a 20-year-old girl who's she's homeless. And she's standing there trying to get his attention. Her name is Megan. And Megan, when she was three years old, lost her mom and her dad. Both her parents passed away. She ended up in the foster system in the state of Nebraska. And from three years old to 16 years old, she was in the foster system, passed from family to family in the state of Nebraska. When she turned 16 years old, her grandparents who lived in Colorado Springs said, hey, you can come live with us. So she moved in with her grandparents and within six months, both of them died. So then, so she spends 17 and 18 in the Colorado foster system. And at the end, when she turns 18, like this is true in every state, including Louisiana, when you turn 18, they bring you into an office and say, you're now emancipated from the system, which is an awful phrase. It's an awful thing to say to someone. But you've been emancipated from the, from the system, which means you're on your own. So she's 18 years old. No mom and dad, no grandparents, only child, no siblings. So she finds a boyfriend. And the boyfriend, she lives with her boyfriend because that's, she has no other home. So she's with him from 18 until four months ago. Then she tells him, I'm pregnant. And he puts her out of the house at pregnant. So for the last four months in Colorado, if you follow the weather, we've had five, 10 below zero weather in Colorado in the last four months. For the last four months, she's been living in her car. She said at 11 p.m., the police leave the parks. There are four parks up here that I know I can be safe in. So when the police leave, I pull in behind them, I close my windows, and I try to survive the night. There were several nights where it was below zero weather. She's 20 years old, she's pregnant for the first time, and she's all alone in the world. Now, why am I telling you this story? because a miracle happened last Sunday in my church. When she told us that story, you know what we did? We started, we just started, I just started pointing at people. Hey, you come over here. Hey, you come here. Hey, you come here. Hey, you come here. And they rallied around her. We, we got her into a hotel that afternoon. First time she had had a shower in two weeks. She took a three hour nap that afternoon. We got her clothes, we got her food, we got her, she already had a car. She started her first job this past Monday at an eye care center, so she's working. All right, it gets better, okay, get this story. I haven't even told my church this story yet. You're hearing this story, let me tell you, it gets better. So that afternoon, one of my pastors is at his kids basketball game. And he says, hey, let me tell you this story. This girl, Megan, just a sweetheart of a girl. She's all alone in the world. She's pregnant. She's living in her car. Our church was able to rally around her today. We got her food. We got her help. She's got a job, but we, we don't know about long-term housing. So the guy listens to this story. About two hours later, he calls my friend. And he goes, hey, pastor, um, after you told me that story, 
A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I just bought a one-bedroom, fully furnished apartment in downtown Colorado Springs, and we had no idea why we were buying it. We don't need it. She can have it. You can have it. She can live there as long as she wants. It's fully furnished. It's brand new. Now listen, I can't promise every homeless girl that walks into my church a fully furnished apartment in downtown Colorado Springs, but I know one girl that has one right now. I know one girl that got one. Listen, why am I telling you that story? I, I, didn't, know, I didn't even think I was gonna tell that story today, but I, this is the power of the church. This is the power of friendship. This is why we exist. This is why if you need help, you should ask. You're sitting within 30 feet of a bunch of saints right now. Do you know that? Every one of you in this room, you're sitting within 30 feet of some saints that would probably help you. You're sitting within 40 feet of some of the best people on the planet that if they knew you had a need and they had the ability to help you, they would help you. I'm saying this because there's not one person should leave this room today alone. Not one person should leave this house today alone. The Bible says he is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. And he, by his power, by his anointing, knows how to set the lonely into what? Families. That, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in the local congregation. Two people had their lives saved last Sunday because she was willing. Listen, I, I thought many times this week how brave she is. Here she is, her hair's all matted up. She smelled really bad. Her clothes were filthy. She's in a church where everybody's got their best on. I mean, it would have been easy for her to bolt, to hide, to not even show up. But she showed up and she waited until someone saw her. Listen, this is why it's important when you come to church, you come to church with your eyes open. You come to church paying attention because you never know how the power of the Holy Spirit is gonna lead you into a relationship, a friendship that could save another person's life. Those are the kind of times we're living in right now. These are the moments that we're living in in 2024. I wanna read this passage to you out of John chapter 15. If you, if you ever wanna listen to like a long, unhurried conversation, what it would sound like with Jesus, John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 are, are, is, is really one uninterrupted conversation that Jesus had. It was really the last significant conversation that he had with his disciples. But listen to what he says in John chapter 15, verse 13 and 15. He says, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Look at verse 15, this is really important. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. So I'm telling you today, the reason I'm reading that scripture is that you don't have to be friends in your own strength. You don't have to figure this out on your own. Jesus has made it possible for you to be friends with him. He has, he has forgiven you of every sin, he has healed your diseases. He has, he has broken off your iniquities. All for the sake of what? Redeeming you, forgiving you, and being friends with you. And if Jesus is able to do that for you by the power of the Holy Spirit, I speak over you today, you will find friends. You will be a great friend to people around you and your life will be rich with friends from this day forward. Can I pray over you right now? Can I just pray over you and with you this morning? 
The Father in heaven, I'm grateful today for the work of the Holy Spirit in this room. Or there's something going on in this church right now. I can feel it, I sense it. They're taking new ground, they're pushing forward. They're advancing. I wanna say that over the church today. You are taking ground that the enemy once possessed. You're pushing forward. There's something happening in this congregation that's beautiful to watch. You're, you're pushing forward. You're winning. There's victory ahead for you. And it will involve messy people coming around from time to time. And it will, it will continue to multiply, continue to grow based on your ability to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and to love your neighbor as yourself. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.